who has lived in the same town for all of his adult life. This person owns a small factory, a chain of stores, or a service company. He has married once and remains married. He lives next door to people with a fraction of his wealth. He is a compulsive saver and investor. And he has made his money on his own. Eighty percent of America's millionaires are first-generation rich. Affluent people typically follow a lifestyle conducive to accumulating money. In the course of our investigations, we discovered seven common denominators among those who successfully build wealth. One, they live well below their means. Two, they allocate their time, energy, and money efficiently in ways conducive to building wealth. Three, they believe that financial independence is more important than displaying high social status. Four, their parents did not provide economic outpatient care. Five, their adult children are economically self-sufficient. Six, they are proficient in targeting market opportunities. Seven, they chose the right occupation. In The Millionaire Next Door, you will study these seven characteristics of the wealthy. We hope you will learn how to develop them in yourself. Ask the average American to define the term wealthy. Most would give the same definition found in Webster's. Wealthy to them refers to people who have an abundance of material possessions. We define wealthy differently. In this program, we define the threshold level of being wealthy as having a net worth of a million dollars or more. Based on this definition, only 3.5 million, or 3.5%, of the 100 million households in America are considered wealthy. About 95% of millionaires in America have a net worth of between $1 million and $10 million. Much of the discussion in this program centers on this segment of the population. Why focus on this group? Because this level of wealth can be attained in one generation. It can be attained by many Americans. Another way of defining whether or not a person, household, or family is wealthy is based on one's expected level of net worth. A person's income and age are strong determinants of how much that person should be worth. In other words, the higher one's income, the higher one's net worth is expected to be, assuming one is working and not retired. Similarly, the longer one is generating income, the more likely one will accumulate more and more wealth. So higher income people who are older should have accumulated more wealth than lower income producers who are younger. For most people in America with annual realized incomes of $50,000 or more, and for most people 25 to 65 years of age, there is a corresponding expected level of wealth. Those who are significantly above this level can be considered wealthy in relation to others in their income-slash-age cohort. Whatever your age, whatever your income, how much should you be worth right now? Here's a simple rule of thumb for computing your expected net worth. Multiply your age times your realized pre-tax annual household income from all sources except inheritances. Divide by 10. This, less any inherited wealth, is what your net worth should be. For example, if Mr. Anthony O. Duncan is 41 years old, makes $143,000 a year, and has investments that return another $12,000, he would multiply $155,000 by 41. That equals $6,355,000. Dividing by 10, his net worth should be $635,500. Given your age and income, how does your net worth match up? 
Where do you stand along the wealth continuum? If you are in the top quartile for wealth accumulation, you are a PAW, or Prodigious Accumulator of Wealth. If you are in the bottom quartile, you are a UAW, or Under Accumulator of Wealth. Are you a PAW, a UAW, or just an AAW, Average Accumulator of Wealth? We have developed another simple rule. To be well positioned in the PAW category, you should be worth twice the level of wealth expected. In other words, Mr. Duncan's net worth, wealth, should be approximately twice the expected value or more for his income-slash-age cohort, or $635,500 multiplied by 2 equals $1,271,000. If Mr. Duncan's net worth is approximately $1.27 million or more, he is a prodigious accumulator of wealth. Conversely, what if his level of wealth is one-half or less than expected for all those in his income-slash-age category? Mr. Duncan would be classified as a UAW if his level of wealth were $317,750 or less, or one-half of $635,500. PAWs are builders of wealth. That is, they are the best at building net worth compared to others in their income-slash-age category. PAWs typically have a minimum of four times the wealth accumulated by UAWs. Now let's turn to our list of seven characteristics of wealthy people. The first one is this. They live well below their means. What are the three words that profile the affluent? Frugal, frugal, frugal. The first time we interviewed a group of people worth at least $10 million, deca-millionaires, the session turned out differently than we had planned. We were contracted to study the wealthy by a large international trust company. Our client wanted us to study the needs of high net worth individuals. To make sure our decamillionaire respondents felt comfortable during the interview, we rented a posh penthouse on Manhattan's fashionable east side. We also hired two gourmet food designers. They put together a menu of four pâtés and three kinds of caviar. To accompany this, the designers suggested a case of high-quality 1970 Bordeaux plus a case of a wonderful 1973 Cabernet Sauvignon. Armed with what we thought would be the ideal menu, we enthusiastically awaited the arrival of our decamillionaire respondents. The first to arrive was someone we nicknamed Mr. Bud. Sixty-nine and a first-generation millionaire, Mr. Bud owned several valuable pieces of commercial real estate in the New York metropolitan area. He also owned two businesses. You would never have figured from his outward appearance that he was worth well over $10 million. His dress was what you might call dull normal, a well-worn suit and overcoat. Nevertheless, we wanted to make Mr. Bud feel that we fully understood the food and drink expectations of America's decamillionaires. So after we introduced ourselves, one of us asked, Mr. Bud, may I pour you a glass of 1970 Bordeaux? Mr. Bud looked at us with a puzzled expression on his face and then said, I drink scotch and two kinds of beer, free and Budweiser. We hid our shock as the true meaning of our decamillionaire's message dawned upon us. During the subsequent two-hour interview, the nine decamillionaire respondents shifted constantly in their chairs. Occasionally, they glanced at the buffet, but not one touched the pâté or drank our vintage wines. We knew they were hungry, but all they ate were the gourmet crackers. Their tastes reflected their lifestyles. 
not flamboyant, frugal. Webster's defines frugal as behavior characterized by or reflecting economy in the use of resources. Being frugal is the cornerstone of wealth building. Yet far too often the big spenders are promoted and sensationalized by the popular press. We are constantly barraged with media hype about so-called millionaire athletes, for example. Yes, some of the members of this small population are millionaires. But if a highly skilled ball player makes $5 million a year, having $1 million in net worth is no big deal. According to our wealth equation, a $5 million earner who is 30 years of age should be worth $15 million or more. How many highly paid ball players have a level of wealth in this range? We believe only a tiny fraction. Why? Because most have a lavish lifestyle. And they can support such a lifestyle as long as they are earning a very high income. Technically, they may be millionaires, have a minimum net worth of a million dollars or more. But they are typically low on the prodigious accumulator of wealth scale. Most millionaires never earn one-tenth of five million dollars in a year. Most never become millionaires until they are 50 years of age or older. Most are frugal, and few could have ever supported a high-consumption lifestyle and become millionaires in the same lifetime. Let's revisit a question we asked earlier. Why are so few people in America affluent? Even most households with six-figure annual incomes are not affluent. These people believe in spending tomorrow's cash today. They are debt-prone and are on earn-and-consume treadmills. To many of them, those who do not display abundant material possessions are not successful. In marked contrast to this attitude, the affluent tend to answer yes to three questions we include in our surveys. One, were your parents very frugal? Two, are you frugal? Three, is your spouse more frugal than you are? This last question is highly significant. Not only are the most prodigious accumulators of wealth frugal, their spouses tend to be even more frugal. Consider the typical affluent household. Nearly 95% of millionaire households are composed of married couples. In 70% of these households, the male contributes at least 80% of the income. Most of these men play great offense in the game called income generation. Great offense, in economic terms, means that a household generates an income significantly higher than the norm, which in America is an annual realized income of approximately $33,000. Most of these households also play great defense. That is, they are frugal when it comes to spending for consumer goods and services. One frugal high-income producer within the married couple category, however, does not automatically translate into a high level of net worth. Something else must be present. A self-made millionaire stated it best when he told us, I can't get my wife to spend any money. Most people will never become wealthy in one generation if they are married to people who are wasteful. A couple cannot accumulate wealth if one of its members is a hyper-consumer. This is especially true when one or both are trying to build a successful business. Few people can sustain profligate spending habits and simultaneously build wealth. Why aren't you wealthy, you ask? Well, let's examine your lifestyle. Is it one of great offense? Are you in the $70,000, $100,000, $200,000 income category? Congratulations, you play wonderful offense. 
But how is it that you keep losing the game called wealth accumulation? Be honest with yourself. Could it be that you play terrible defense? Most high-income earners are in the same situation, but not most millionaires. Millionaires play both quality offense and quality defense. And quite often their great defense helps them out-accumulate those who out-earn them, who have superior offenses. The foundation stone of wealth accumulation is defense. And this defense should be anchored by budgeting and planning. Do you wish to become affluent and stay affluent? Can you answer yes, candidly and honestly, to these four simple questions? Question 1. Does your household operate on an annual budget? Do you plan your consumption spending according to a variety of food, clothing, and shelter categories each year? Most millionaires do. Question 2. Do you know how much your family spends each year for food, clothing, and shelter? Almost two-thirds of the millionaires surveyed answered yes to this question. But only about 35% of high-income-producing non-millionaires answered yes to this question. And speaking of spending, let's talk about credit cards for a moment. Ask a large sample of millionaires a simple question about their credit cards. The results will give you an excellent idea of who these millionaires really are. Like most American households, most wealthy households have a MasterCard and a Visa card. The millionaire household is four times more likely to hold a Sears card, 43%, than a Brooks Brothers card, 10%. Both Sears and Penny's cards are significantly more popular among the wealthy than the cards of status retailers such as Brooks Brothers, Neiman Marcus, Saks Fifth Avenue, Lord & Taylor, or Eddie Bauer. Only 6.2% of the millionaire respondents hold the American Express Platinum Card, 3.4% hold Diners Club, and fewer than 1% own carte blanche. Question 3. Do you have a clearly defined set of daily, weekly, monthly, annual, and lifetime goals? The source of this question came from a DECA millionaire whom we interviewed a dozen years ago. He told us that he started a wholesale food business at the age of 19. He never finished formal high school, but did eventually receive his high school equivalency diploma. We asked him to account for the fact that, although he was a high school dropout, he had accumulated over $10 million. His response was as follows. I have always been goal-oriented. I have a clear...